Welcome into the Talking Tide podcast on the Pigskin Podcast Network. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined remotely by Travis Ryer, the longtime senior analyst at BamaOnline.com. We're going to be previewing Alabama's forthcoming college football playoff semifinal against Cincinnati here in this edition of Talking Tide. Really quickly, want to alert you to the Twitter feed. It's Talking underscore Tide is the handle. Links to all of our podcasts there. We are also live on Facebook, live on YouTube. You can get recordings of the show in both of those places. Our web host is megaphone.com. And of course, you can catch us on Apple Podcasts or any preferred podcasting app. That's how uh, we do it here on Talking Tide in terms of dissemination. And we quickly want to thank our sponsors, Peter Brook, Chocolatier of Tuscaloosa, North River Dental Associates, and finally our corporate sponsor, DraftKings. More on each of them a little bit later in the program. And after a brief respite through the holiday season, Travis, here we are uh, just three days removed now from Alabama kicking things off against the Cincinnati Bearcats, a quick reset. Alabama comes in 12 and 1. Cincinnati unbeaten at 13 and 0. Kickoff 3:30 p.m. Central Time on Friday at AT&T Stadium. It's the Cotton Bowl venue and your broadcast will come on ESPN. And Travis with that, uh we take a look at this game and and Certainly one that's it, – it's not the primetime game, which is not surprising. You'd expect Cincinnati be, to be playing the, the early one. Uh, but nevertheless, uh, exciting, I think, to see a team that's not from the Power Five finally break through uh, and get into the CFP. Of course, the college football playoff has been around now for, I guess, seven, eight years. And until now, uh, it's been nothing but Power Fives and, an, of course, uh, uh, Notre Dame as well. Uh, filling out the field, but here come the Bearcats to uh, to end that uh, trend, Travis. Yeah, the uh, proponents of the proverbial fly in the ointment are finally getting their wish. It took a little while, but that's a really good Cincinnati team, kind of studying this team here in the last couple of weeks. Very much a veteran football team. I think if there's a concern for Alabama going into this game, it's that this is a very mature Cincinnati team, both physically and mentally. Now, physically, we can still ask some questions about the talent levels for both teams when you look at maybe more so in the way of NFL prospects. But Cincinnati, with an emphasis on the defensive side of the ball, I don't think there's a shortage of those kind of guys over there. So should be a lot of fun. I know some folks will build this as sort of David versus Goliath. Um, not really that. If you're the number four ranked team in the country, um, and you're a qualifier for the college football playoff, then uh, you certainly are talented enough to be here. And again, I think uh, as much as anything, when I look at Cincinnati, I, I see a team that uh, you know has that maturity to it. And certainly the other argument against this being David versus Goliath, Travis, is that while this Alabama team is a very, very good one, it's proven itself not to be invincible at times this season, certainly in the loss to Texas A&M, uh, but elsewhere, even in some victories. No, I agree. And even after the performance against Georgia, I'm hesitant to sort of jump on that bandwagon of, well, they've got it all fixed. It's all figured out now. They're going to roll an inferior Cincinnati team. And you know, whether it's Georgia or Michigan, 
uh, potentially in the national championship game. This will be uh, another run to a national title under Nick Saban. I'm not quite there yet with this team, even after the Georgia team. I still have trust issues with this Alabama team, probably more so going into a game like this on the offensive side of the ball. As crazy as that sounds, when you consider that you've got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback and Bryce Young, you've got a guy in Jamison Williams had as good a year as any wide receiver in college football. An offensive line that looks like it figured some things out in that win over Georgia, but I'm still, Chase, I'm still a little skeptical with this team. Talk some more about the Alabama side of things here in a little bit, but let's go ahead and, and break down the Bearcats while we can, Travis. Certainly on the offensive side of the ball, Desmond Ritter, the outstanding quarterback, kind of drives the bus uh, for the Bearcats. Strong-armed guy, right-handed quarterback, an athletic guy, um, and a good runner. Not, not necessarily a dynamic runner, but a good one. Uh, and accuracy-wise, he can be up and down at times. Uh, but this is a guy who's gonna who's gonna get drafted. Uh, he's a quality quarterback and and has had a, a truly outstanding season. Three thousand plus yards passing. I think his touchdown to interception ratio is thirty to eight. Certainly nothing wrong with that. And behind him in the backfield, a name that Alabama fans might find familiar, Jerome Ford, who of course transferred from Alabama. He's had a huge year for Cincinnati. Two hundred for twelve thirty eight on the ground. That's six plus a carry uh, where I learned my math, 19 touchdowns, a powerful guy, a downhill guy, Travis, kind of really uh, in in the mold of a, of a Burton Burns style back, I think. Yeah, he's got some home run ability too. There's no doubt about that. And so, you know, I think for Alabama defensively, as much as we'll talk about Ritter and you know, what he's capable of doing as a passer. I think a comparison for him might be more along the lines of Hendon Hooker. I don't know if he's as dynamic as Hendon Hooker proved to be over the course of the season, the Tennessee quarterback. Uh, and I don't know if Cincinnati on the outside is as explosive uh, with its wide receiver options as Tennessee proved to be in 2021. But a couple tight ends that really can get the job done uh, and then it starts again with that run game, that zone read game with Ritter and Ford. Ritter does a nice job of decision-making on keep, give, those type of situations. You know, he's a fourth-year starter. Some of those intangible things that you would expect to show up on tape do. Still want to make this guy uh, as much of an every-down passer as you can, right, in the game. Uh, you mentioned the numbers. They're impressive as a passer. He has thrown interceptions in five of the last seven games. So, you can get him in that mode, especially with the way Alabama safeties have played of late with an emphasis on the Georgia game. Uh, you know, I think Alabama can do something that I don't think any team has done to Cincinnati this year and put the Bearcats on the wrong side of turnover margin. Some size on the outside for Ritter to throw to. Certainly Alec Pierce, the top wide receiver for the Bearcats, 6'3", 215 pounds. He's caught 50 balls for 867 and eight scores. Over on the defensive side of the ball, Travis, and we've talked about this uh, briefly in previous podcasts once we found out what these matchups were going to be, but the cornerback spot is where you start with this defense. Ahmad Gardner, they call him Sauce is his nickname, uh, certainly one of the top cornerbacks for the NFL draft uh, in four picks on the season, a guy with uh, some size, some speed, the quickness, he's got it all. Uh, I would imagine that that. It would not surprise me if he shadows Jamison Williams, although 
it's not a one-man show at cornerback for this team. Cincinnati's got another one by the name of Kobe Bryant, uh, three picks on the year. He'll get a shot in the league as well. So they're they're doubled up there at corner. Uh, they can they can do uh, they can do a lot with those two guys. Yeah, all Kobe Bryant did this year was win the Jim Thorpe Award as the other corner yeah. to Sauce Gardner, which, as we know, the Thorpe Award goes to college football's top defensive back. Maybe more of a career achievement thing for Bryant, although I think, as you said, he's he's a very capable corner. It will be interesting to see if Cincinnati does travel Gardner with Jamison Williams, um, you know, and kind of how Alabama goes about its business on offense in general with John Mechie out. And um, we've heard in recent days about Ja'Cory Brooks, about Treshawn Holden, you know, some of those other guys that are going to need to step up in Mechie's place. And I think even the tight ends have to factor into that. Jalil Billingsley, Cameron Latou, uh, you got to think their targets go up. Slade Bolden's targets will probably go up as a result of Mechie's absence. And, we can take this thing even to the running back position. Could be more opportunities for Brian Robinson just in terms of scrimmage opportunities, not just carries, but maybe some catches um, against this aggressive Cincinnati defense. They like to get downhill, man. They like to get up the field. They love to make negative plays. And it's another thing, I think, for both these defenses to keep an eye on Friday afternoon, Chase. Both of them very proficient in the way of producing plays behind the line of scrimmage. You know, against that kind of defense, too, if you're Bill O'Brien, you got to be thinking about the misdirection stuff, the draws, the screens, the kind of stuff that you can get, maybe get that Cincinnati Slow defense a little over-aggressive, right? Make them uh, – put them out of position a little bit uh, and maybe throw over the top of some of that heat if you can. Yeah, get it protected because Cincinnati's not afraid to bring the extra guy or two. And so the A-gaps, again – for Alabama will be something to keep an eye on. And, um, you know, I think we're going to talk about edge defenders a lot. And when you talk about Alabama, you're going to talk about Will Anderson. So the potential for him to have a wrecking effect on that zone read game and the Cincinnati offense in general is very much in play. But on the interior, you know, need to consider what Alabama has done at the center position here in the last couple of games during Dahl court with the ankle. Looks like he's back. Um, you know, what do you do there? Uh, do you go back to Darian Dahlcourt? Is it Seth McLaughlin that you stick with at center? Because Cincinnati has a nose tackle in Curtis Brooks that this year anyway, he's been a real problem, real disruptive force with 12 and a half tackles for loss and seven and a half sacks. Those are outside linebacker slash defensive end numbers, uh, production-wise. Inside you, guy. Yeah, you yeah. get them from a guy that's lined up over the center or shaded on the center, then uh, you're talking about a a real wrecking ball uh, of an interior defensive player. There's no doubt about it. He'll be a handful for uh, Alabama to deal with. Best win for Cincinnati this year, certainly Notre Dame. They also beat Houston uh, in the conference title game. That final score was 35-20. to The Notre Dame win, though, definitely, Travis, kind of the one that marked them as a team that might be able to get over this CFP hump and qualify. Uh, and they were able to do it. So, um, you know, obviously they didn't go through the gauntlet that, that Alabama did or, or some of these other schools, Georgia, Michigan, obviously the other two involved here, but they beat who was in front of them, and that's all that matters if you get there. That's right. And, uh, you know, again, they had some struggles in some games that maybe you wouldn't have expected it. Navy probably at the top of that list, uh, but – 
you know, we've seen teams in that sort of position as Cincinnati sort of spit the bit a little bit. As uh, Nick Saban has said before, as you climb Mount Everest, uh, there's a reason why people drop out near the top. And a lot of it has to do with the air getting thinner, tougher to breathe. And uh, Cincinnati did have the opportunity to play its conference championship on its home field. That obviously did not hurt. But again, just a really solid team across the board. Now, there are some areas of this team that we've seen in some games like last week, 0 for 8 on third down for Cincinnati. It gets overshadowed because uh, really, the run game, as much as anything, was explosive for the Bearcats in that win uh, over Houston. So, no, it's not a perfect football team by any means. But as I've made the analogy in the past, sort of like one of those mid-majors in college basketball that has a bunch of older dudes, veteran dudes. Maybe it's a, a transfer to that's come in to solidify some things at some certain areas. Um you know, that shows up, the continuity and the belief that this team has. It's pretty evident. And what you expect from a team like that, Travis, is uh, a certain fearlessness if they get down, right? It's not necessarily that they'll play well from the jump, which they may, but you expect a team like that to not have any panic if things go wrong out of the gate. You fall behind 14 nothing, 17-7, whatever the case may be. Those veteran teams that are senior-led – a lot of times those teams will hang in there, and then you find yourself in a dogfight in the fourth quarter, uh, maybe in a game that that uh, that the favorite would have thought would have been easier. Yeah, and it starts at the quarterback position because you know you have that guy that you have the ultimate belief in in Desmond Ritter. Now, there is some psychology to consider here with Cincinnati because a lot of these guys were a part of the team last year that had Georgia beat in the Peach Bowl. And that was a depleted Georgia team between opt-outs, COVID, whatever. Right. That wasn't a fully staffed and ready-to-go Georgia team in Atlanta. And Cincinnati was in a great spot in that game. And, you know, had a double-digit lead and saw it go by the boards, and Georgia ends up winning on a field goal. So um, that can work both ways. That can be a learning experience. It can be something similar to what Alabama experienced in 2008 in Atlanta against Florida under Nick Saban. Uh, before things really got on track for the program uh, under Saban, uh, or it can be something that creeps back into the mindset if you know Cincinnati gets off to a good start, but then Alabama counters, uh, you know, now what? But again, you still like the veteran presence and aspect of this team. I mean, when you go through the Cincinnati depth chart, um, Chase, I mean, it's juniors, seniors, and graduates. That's Basically, you look at the two deep, you look at, say, Cincinnati's top 44 guys, there are just a ton of those sort of players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it can definitely be a, a difference maker in crunch time. Some roster notes, both coaching and player-wise for Alabama. Travis, uh, the word is that Jalen Armour Davis, the cornerback, has been practicing uh, for the Crimson Tide. You and I discussed him a little bit before the holiday break as well and the importance of him being able to go for Alabama. Josh Job not going to be going. And so uh, Kool-Aid McKinstry will step in there. But uh, big for Alabama if Jalen Armour Davis can can step in and, and be uh, and be a healthy starter. Yeah, it does. He's been, I would say, Alabama's most consistent corner 
uh, pretty easily during the 2021 season. Now, you're right, Pete Golding here in the last 24, 48 hours during his media availability via Zoom from Dallas did say that Jalen Armour Davis was back out there this week. To what extent? Who knows? I think a lot of folks took that and ran with it. Maybe it'll play out where Jalen Armour Davis is right back in his typical spot there at corner opposite who we assume to be Kool-Aid McKinstry for a third straight game. Um, you know, I'm taking more of a wait-and-see approach. Uh, again, I hope as much for anything for, for Jalen's sake, he's earned this opportunity you know, on this type of stage to to have that that place as a starter. But I'm kind of going into it thinking, I think we're going to see Kool-Aid McKinstry for sure at one spot. I'm not going to allow myself to be surprised by just about anything at the other corner spot, whether it's Jalen Armour Davis, whether it's Kyrie Jackson, the junior college transfer, Jack West Robinson, who knows how that other side still might play out. Apart from players like Jalen Armour Davis, whose availability uh, is in question or, or perhaps in question, I guess, how about some of the guys that have been dinged up who, who might just have – who you know are going to play but maybe have a little bit more pep in their step after this layoff, Travis? A couple names that come to mind there. Certainly Brian Robinson uh, at or near the top of that list, dinged up toward the end of the year, uh, dinged up against Auburn, I guess it was, and was, was certainly not full go against Georgia even though he delivered uh, some important carries for the Crimson Tide. And – you wonder about DeMarco Helms, too, who's who was dinged up for much of this season. I think Helms actually, to me, Helms started looking more like himself uh, here in these last couple of games. So I, I, I'm not sure he needs he, he needed the, the layoff recovery as much as Robinson. But that's two guys uh, who who have been dinged up, certainly at some point or another this season, uh, who maybe are able to get into this uh, get it, get into this playoff and, and, and really be at their best. Yeah. DeMarco Helms has really looked like the guy we anticipated seeing all season. Of course, the performance against Georgia was outstanding. Yeah. Uh, Jordan battle has also, uh, been a really good player over the back half of the season, especially. So you feel good about the safety positions. I think Brian branch is in a good place at the star spot. It's just the corners. And uh, you mentioned Pierce with some size for Cincinnati at the one wide receiver position. You know, look, Cincinnati on the outside, I don't think is going to be, say, along the lines of, you know, LSU in most years with the kind of guys that the Tigers could run out there, uh, especially in 2019. But uh, capable enough guys, veteran guys, uh, good yards per catch totals. Uh, but again, I think the tight ends for for Cincinnati are going to be in play too. So Josh Wiley, Leonard Taylor, those two guys for Cincinnati, veteran tight ends that both have 25 or more catches this season. So that brings the middle of the field into play for sure. I mean, you saw Brock Bowers for Georgia. I don't think either of these guys for Cincinnati or Brock Bowers or Darnell Washington for Georgia, but you're still dealing with some of those matchups, whether it's Christian Harris, whether it's Daniel Wright at the money, whether it's maybe even in some situations branch at the star position, and then certainly the safeties in Helms and battle. Um, you know, that, those are things you have to account for if you're the Alabama defense this week. And you already mentioned the offensive line situation. That certainly bears watching as well as far as personnel goes, who looks good, who doesn't. And, and uh, I guess Dalcourt is kind of at the center of that discussion. Yeah, Brooks is a war daddy 
as we outlined for you. So, you know, it was good to see Emil Echior and Javion Cohen play maybe their best games against Georgia of the whole season. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think the challenge gets any easier this week. Um, again, Cincinnati is going to follow a lot of the script that Texas A&M and LSU and Auburn and others have put out there before this game. And so, uh, first and foremost, you better make sure those A-gaps are good to go because Brooks can cause enough problems on his own, but then you get these linebackers, Darian Beavers, and some of these guys, uh, you know, that can give you some headaches as well. Really quickly, where the coaching staff is concerned, Travis, of course, uh, Bill O'Brien, Doug Marone, tested positive for COVID-19 over uh, since the holiday break. Sounds as though O'Brien, though, is coming out of it a little quicker than is Marone. Yeah, that was interesting earlier today because you wondered, based on last we had heard about Bill O'Brien, what his availability would be for the media opportunity uh, on Tuesday afternoon. And, of course, it was the offense's turn on Tuesday following the defense on Monday. And and Bill O'Brien kind of informed everybody, hey, I'm good to go. I'm in Dallas, got here this morning, and – uh, even went to the extent to maybe let talk out of school maybe a little bit about SEC procedures where quarantining and uh, protocol are concerned for the SEC, made the, the statement to the effect that it's, he was happy that the SEC had adjusted some things in relation right. to what we've heard from the CDC in the last few days uh, with quarantining with the the latest variant of the, the COVID-19. So, yeah, he's in Dallas. Um Still not sure if Doug Marone is, um, but I would think given that Saban previously anticipated both those guys being there in time for kickoff, I would think for Marone, if the same is true for him, uh, he should be right there. A little bit more Alabama-Cincinnati talk as well as some quick discussion about this Georgia-Michigan matchup that will follow. But first, we're going to tell you about a couple of sponsors here on the Talking Tide podcast. Going to start by telling you all about North River Dental Associates and Dr. Jack Smalley can take care of all your dental needs, all your family's dental needs. Convenient location right off of Watermelon Road, the address 1100 Fairfax Park. And whatever the case may be, they can take care of it, whether it's dentures, cosmetic dentistry, pediatric dentistry for the kids, uh, porcelain veneers. They do it all over at North River Dental, also doing Botox and Juvederm treatments for those facial features. And, of course, the teeth whitening services, always very popular as well at North River Dental. They're going to get you in and out of the building, typically in under an hour on a routine cleaning And you can't beat them when it comes to dealing with the insurance folks. They're great with that as well. The phone number over there, 752-3506. You can give them a ring for an appointment or visit NorthRiverDentist.com. I'm going to tell you about Peterbrook Chocolatier right there in the Indian Hill section of Tuscaloosa as well. And on behalf of Peterbrook Chocolatier, we'd certainly like to thank all of you who made Peterbrook your Christmas treat destination and selection of choice during the holiday season. A tremendous stretch for Peterbrook Chocolatier from really Thanksgiving through Christmas Day. And again, can't thank the fine folks who uh, make Peterbrook their top option when they go for these, uh, these chocolate goodies. Uh, certainly, certainly 
uh, a lot of uh, a lot of good stuff for Peterbrook in the month of December and looking forward to the new year for Peterbrook Chocolatier 1530 McFarland Boulevard North again on behalf of Heather Ryer and Paula and Jimmy and the rest of the great staff there. Thank you once again. Only place to go in Tuscaloosa for chocolate. There's no question about it. Finally, going to tell you about our corporate sponsor. That would be DraftKings football fans. A $1 bet at DraftKings will get you $100 in free bets. It's that simple. The latest no-brainer from the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the National Football League. You're a winner as soon as a point is scored. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still get in on NFL action. Everyone can play for big cash prizes all season with the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code TPPN. That's the Pigskin Podcast Network. Bet $1 on any team to score. You win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score with promo code TPPN. This week at the DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NFL. And with that, Travis, uh, I figured we'd jump in on a couple of Routine topics for us, one being ticket prices for Alabama-Cincinnati, the other uh, being the spread, and then maybe some quick thoughts on Georgia and Michigan before we get out of here. Uh, starting with the tickets, 100 bucks, Travis, for Upper Deckers to get into AT&T Stadium. Uh, what say you about the uh, cheap price? So, I guess we've seen a little bit of this before, right? When you expand the playoffs and, and you extend the postseason, uh, you extend the discretionary dollar for the fan. Uh, but th- I guess there's a little more to it than that, right? Yeah, I think COVID and, and some of the situation with the uh, spike in positive tests we've seen, that could certainly have something to do with it. Um, but from the Alabama fan perspective, probably some thought there that, going to save up for the trip to Indy and again because of what we've seen so far in the bowl season in terms of cancellations uh and things like that of games uh probably a little bit cautious in how far out you're willing to commit to some things whether it's hotels whether it's flights whether it's ticket prices buying tickets this early in the process when you look ahead to the championship game in Indianapolis so There are definitely some variables that have come into play, I think, here just in the last week, Chase, that's probably had an effect on that. But, no, look, it's not Alabama-Notre Dame. It's not Alabama-Michigan. It's not Alabama-Georgia again. It's it's Cincinnati. And and we may find out that Cincinnati is beyond beyond, uh, worthy of its place in this game. May end up winning the game. Who knows? Uh, But I think there are some Alabama people. Indianapolis is a first-time destination in college football playoff venues, although I'm not sure how many folks are thrilled. You've been to January. You've been to Indianapolis in the winter. I don't know how many folks are that thrilled about that part of it, but it is new in terms of a place in the – in the pecking order when it comes to the CFP and more importantly, a national championship game. I'll tell you who else ain't thrilled as the ticket man. You know, he's got to be grievously disappointed that these upper deckers are going for a C note. And it's only Tuesday. Yeah. I mean, ticket man still got a weather <laughs> couple, three days. He's going into what we've talked about before. He's probably already going into premium 
experience mode. You he's know, doing he's better thinking, in Miami than he is in Dallas. Probably, yeah, I would think so. Between the 30s, you know, club action, those type of things, that's what he's trying to push right now more so than those get-ins in the uh, nosebleed levels. On to the Vegas man we go. Alabama, a 13-and-a-half-point favorite over Cincinnati. I believe it's minus 14 in some precincts, the over-under 58. And uh, Travis... You've done a little traveling to uh, the land of the man uh, here over the holidays. You could certainly tell me better than I could tell our listeners exactly what that that spread up to the moment is for this ball game. Yeah, this morning, as a matter of fact, as the boys were lining up at eight Pacific time to get down on that Birmingham bowl, already lined up. You know, they wait on the man. That's how bad the man's got him. And then he just pummels him. You know, the boys line up for him. He comes in whenever he wants with a cup of coffee, and then he just hammers them all day. <laughs> but no, I, beat downs. still 13 and a half. What was that total, like 56 and a half, something like that? Is that I saw is? 58, but you, 58, you're there. So. 58, that, yeah. Look, I got down on Auburn plus one and a half this morning. Oof. That was my coffee bet, my coffee mm-hmm. talk bet. But I did go under the uh, 49. So yeah. I covered myself there, but man, I, you know, it's so Auburn, right? Uh, I've got Auburn plus one and a half. They got the lead there with about four minutes left and, you know, get two defensive backs uh, ejected for targeting, including smoke Monday. And so, you know, just another lesson, you know, just another lesson is all it is. What about Dana Hogerson though, pitching a fit about the length <laughs> of the Brian Harson press conference? What in the world, you know? Yeah, that's whole go, man. That's yeah. whole go, which, you know, people wonder about well gosh you know why hasn't he had more opportunities with better jobs you know if that's dana holgerson after a win what's he like interviewing you know what what is this guy how does he come across do you think if he takes an l against auburn today i can't imagine him sitting up there and think i need to hurry up here so that the winning coach can jump on (laughs) i don't see that we won the game i should go first he said (laughs) holgo uh Finally, Michigan, Georgia, before we get out of here, uh, Travis, uh, an interesting matchup to be sure. Kirby Smart v. Jim Harbaugh. A couple of stout defenses. There's no question about it. Michigan has looked a lot better on offense this season than they have in some past years uh, against uh, or for Michigan. Uh, your thoughts on on how this one may play out? I guess the thing, you know, I get it. There's a lot of sort of energy for Michigan as this game gets closer, Chase. But I keep going back to, and he's had a nice season, but really, is Kate McNamara the kind of quarterback that beats Georgia? Really? I mean, I know we've had a lot of fun at Georgia's expense since the SEC championship game, but Bryce Young might be one of what – two or three quarterbacks in all of college football who could beat that defense who can beat Georgia is Kate McNamara. One of those guys. Now I understand Michigan's got the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line and, you know, a couple of thousand yard type backs, but name me a starting wide receiver for the Michigan Wolverines too, while we're at it. So, whereas I talked just about Kate McNamara, who who are the dudes that are going right. to make plays that you have to make in the passing game? So, yeah, I think I think George is vulnerable in some ways. Um, but if you're the Michigan defense for Aiden Hutchinson to do his thing, you still have to get them in a position like Alabama did 
where Stetson Bennett gets north of 25, 30 attempts. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe Michigan defensively is good enough to do that. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's where it's got to start for them. Michigan's got to run it better than Georgia runs it. And then when and when they get Bennett in some of those third and longs, not only Hutchinson, but but the other pass rusher, Ojabo, who's who's very talented as well. Yeah. Those two guys get the job done. Then then Michigan can make some hay, but I'm with you. I I think we're looking just at just not a, enough guys. No. I, I think in both these games it comes down to who's got the guys. Yeah. You know, ultimately. I, Think we're looking at an Alabama Georgia rematch for the national title, no question about it. How about a uh, how about a prediction, a score prediction on uh, Georgia Alabama? What you got? Or excuse Gosh. me, Georgia, Georgia uh, Michigan. Georgia Michigan. I'm gonna go Georgia. Uh, gosh, I'll go Georgia 31, Michigan 17. Yeah, yeah. What I'm, do you think? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go 28 10, which is kind of roughly in that same range. I think they take care of business. Uh, may take a second half runaway. Could be tight at the half, but I like Georgia for sure. Uh, Alabama, you know, I, I like Alabama in the neighborhood of uh, you know forty two twenty four. How's that sound? That sounds about right. I'm I'm kind of right around where the spread is right now thirteen fourteen somewhere in that neighborhood. Again, I've got trust issues. I I'm not just totally sold on Alabama now because it played a hell of a game um, against uh, Georgia and Atlanta. What I, what I do feel more certain about for Alabama going in this game, and this is probably my personal case of the John Mechie blues that I've got is that I think Alabama's defense might be the most dominant aspect of this game. And that's with all due respect to Ritter and you know, what he's done in Jerome Ford's great season um, I think Cincinnati in some ways is like Michigan in going against uh, Georgia and Cincinnati's going to have some of those same problems. I think, I think, um, I think like the Georgia game, Alabama's going to get Ritter's attempts up because I don't see Cincinnati running the ball especially well in this game. Um, and he really hasn't had to do that. I mean, he really hasn't been North of say 40, attempts in his entire career except for one occasion back in 2018 so I think some of the key uh, statistical numbers to keep an eye on are are similar to the Georgia game when you're talking about the Alabama defense yeah Cincinnati I think offensively will definitely need balance to hang with Alabama so for Alabama I think it kind of starts with with getting Jerome Ford shut down once you do that uh, you've got Desmond Ritter in a spot where you want him Will Anderson uh, could be in his lap all day if Jer- if Jerome yep. Ford doesn't get anything done. Well, and, you know, this is the kind of game, again, because of how even Cincinnati runs the ball, that Will could have one of these five tackle for loss type games because he's mm-hmm. blowing up the mesh point on the zone read, um, things like that. Uh, he, he He's going to be a problem for Cincinnati, I'm pretty sure, in this game. But, uh, yeah, I, I think it'll be that kind of game. I, I I won't be surprised, though. I'm not going to allow myself to be surprised if this turns into another damn grinder. Yeah. You know, where Alabama scores somewhere in the mid-20s or something, and it's a 24-16 type game or, you know, like LSU or something. I don't know. I'm not allowing myself to get burned like that again. It could happen. I, the only where only place I differ with you on that is if it does happen where Alabama has to has, has to 
pull this thing out in the fourth quarter or something. They find themselves in a tight one. I think it'll be a little bit more on a high-scoring range in a game where Alabama's defense struggles a little more and the, and the Alabama offense kind of has to carry things. It sounds like you think if it's close, it'll be the other way around. Uh, but going to be fun. I, just, I, I go back to, again, some of the third-down issues that Cincinnati has had. And, um, you know, and can – can Cincinnati take advantage of Alabama's corner situation? Mm-hmm. You know, are Pierce and some of these other guys really those type of dudes as receivers on the outside to make it hurt? And really, when I look at the three teams other than Alabama that are still in this thing, I don't really see it. I know George Pickens of Georgia is back and he had the explosive play against Alabama, but, you know, George's route tree is kind of limited. He can run the go route and he can catch the back shoulder fade, but. I don't really worry about George Pickens in terms of all-around route running and his tree and, and what he specializes in. I know a lot of people love George Pickens, but and I think relative, relative to Georgia, it is a big return for them based on what they have. Um, but do I see him as a Jamar Chase or a Devontae Smith or one yeah. of these guys? Hell no. Yeah. That is going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. I want to thank everybody for listening in. Be sure to tune in this weekend when Travis and I recap the Alabama Cincinnati game. We'll be talking about that Georgia Michigan final score as well. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. And we'll talk to you upon the recap this weekend here on Talking Tide.